Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Prue Saxby, the Grantmaster, founder and CEO of Indigo Gold and the Grant Writing Academy. Prue helps people unlock their grant writing potential so their applications get in the yes pile. Her process has helped clients secure more than 51.3 million in grants in six years. Through her courses, workshops, memberships, and mentoring programs, Beginners can replace grant overwhelm with support, clarity, and a proven process in just 90 days. I've asked Prue to join us here today to discuss how we can get at those pots of gold, set realistic goals, and set ourselves up for success. So Prue, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Daryl. It's wonderful to be joining you today. Yeah, it's good. We had a little pre-record chat about different entity structures and you know, just in, in 20, 30 seconds, I realized that there's there's definitely a lot of depth to grant, writing a grant other than just filling out the proper forms. Now, but before we get into all that, I want to ask, how did you even get started in this? Like where, I don't know, was this, did you start writing grants for school? Were your parents getting applications and loans too? Was this a family business or what? No, I started doing grants when I was working for a state government. So I was working for Queensland State Development and I started to be in charge of the money or helping. Obviously, there's people up the chain from me, the ministers and everything. But I started to get involved in that and helping organisations to create good quality content in a way that the projects, the broader projects, and I was very good at just getting on with a range of clients. I loved helping clients. I loved seeing the difference that the grants can make. And through lots of reasons, it was very clear that I needed to be more creative and then working for government because I'd had experience in local government. We have three layers here in Australia. So it was time to move on and I started the company and then decided after taking some time off and working for a while that I would remove myself from government and just go out on my own. So it started from there. I just started doing a few smaller grants. It builds over time and I enjoy doing the teeny little ones for Rotary Clubs for 10,000 through to the multi-million dollar ones. So it's always a great feeling when they're successful and I get probably just as upset or not upset disappointed I don't cry when they're not successful so I do feel the pain when it doesn't go so good got it got it now was it just you learned a magic button to push when you were in government and it's just been smooth sailing or have you learned more as time went on and what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in in going out on your own especially from being government to now being self-employed trying to work with government, which <laughs> is its own beast. Understanding how government works has certainly been a feather. It's so helpful to know how the process works, what's involved, what's important to government, what's not, how the system works, how to navigate the system as efficiently as possible. The importance of networks. A lot of people don't realise how well they should network with others. 
and I talk about that with my members, my Grant Writing Academy members all the time. I'm constantly reminding them to network well and be across what's happening in their industry. So whether it's the government departments in your industry, the network groups, the associations, and all that's important because especially when government's assessing grants, there is quite a process involved. And if your grant application and your history shows that you've been ticking those boxes, it's going to make a difference to your scores. Things could be a little bit different in Canada and USA, but for Australia, that's definitely the case. You really need to show that you've just not suddenly thrown something together and telling a good story. Mm. There's a lot mm. more to it than that. Ooh, storytelling. I want to talk about that. Can you give me some ideas? How does government work? In Australia, it's very different really to, to what might happen in other parts of the world. But in for grants, really, what you need to do is network, as I said. So you need to get out there and whether you can do it online or whether you can turn up at events. So I tell my community, when you see different people from government organisations coming to the region, accept the the invitations that you often get through your Chamber of Commerce or if you're on a database, you need to be on as many databases as you can so you get those invitations. And you have to give back a bit. So I'm on an Economic Development Corporation's business committee. So I'm keeping abreast of what's happening. You do get invited to the different people coming, whether they're from export, whether they're from the state development, they could be from industry groups, they could be the ministers from various departments. You just go along to things so that you're telling your story, you get better at telling your story and you're networking with others that can help down the track because you never know when that person you met might be helpful in finding your who, as I, a lot of people write about who's. So it's important to know the people that might be able to help you to the next step. So that's not really how government works. I've probably digressed a bit, but it does matter. Like a lot of my clients who have been very successful with half million, multi-million dollar grants, they certainly are good networkers. They know how to be in touch with the politicians, whoever's in power at the time, and make sure they've heard their story. And it's got to be an interesting story. Otherwise, no one wants to talk to you, right? So it's about keeping it industry interesting, keeping it fresh, doing what clients want, not what you want to do is really one of the biggest things I would say to people. You've constantly got to understand what clients want. And just some work I was doing earlier, I said to you, I was putting together a package. One of my clients is in the food industry. I sent a package to them so that they could get ready for grants because most businesses don't work proactively with grants. They just suddenly see one, they want it. And then someone like me has got to throw it together and do the best job you can. And it's a lot easier if you're proactive and very few businesses do that and they're always just on the back foot. So it's so much easier when you've got a package together. And the first package I sent through, they wanted to wangle a bit of a deal because it's a new CEO. And it's not that they can't afford it. They just want to stamp their mark and say, oh, actually, I want to pay that in four payments. You're constantly learning what people want, constantly having to tweak things and come up with what's right for them and for you. So what's important to the government? That's something else you mentioned. Yeah, government's all about priorities. So each <clears throat> government department, so overall for Australian government, they have, the Australian government has its priorities and then each particular 
department will have its priorities and usually when they put out grant money they will refer to some sort of report or document which the funding comes under. And so a lot of people don't take the time to delve into that document and understand what it really wants because you've really got to give the funder what they're after. You've got to give them a couple of things. One of them is great value for money. You've got to help them deliver on their priorities. So say, for example, it was climate change. You've got to make sure that what you're doing is affecting the climate change. Or if it's about accessibility, at the moment we've got, it's the year of accessible tourism. And so if you're writing a grant for that, you'd have to make sure that whatever you're building includes some sort of accessibility element, paths that are fine for wheelchairs, all those sorts of things. So it's about matching up with what the funder wants. So it's about alignment. And there's mm. keys to alignment in their web pages. I go straight down to the site plan at the bottom, the piece in the dark section, and I usually just see what's there, see what they're aligning to, what sustainable development goals the particular company is looking for. And so you align. If you have something in your business or organisation is doing the same thing, you would mention that in your grant application because right. you know that they're going to notice that, that you're aligned with the same things, whether it's environmental aspects or inclusion, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues that we have here, aligning with whatever that might be, that's part of a grant application and very important for business no matter what you're doing. Yeah, I was saying this sounds not, in no way am I minimizing it, but it just sounds like market intelligence, like 101, know what they want and what the problem is they are trying to solve. All businesses solve a problem. I'm, my teeth hurt, dentist. I want to look better. You go get go to the spa, get your face or a facial or you get a haircut or I'm hungry, restaurant, I'm bored, entertainment and movies, knowing what problem you're supposed to solve and articulating how you solve that problem in their own language. Mm. This is really important stuff. I'm glad you brought that up. Can you talk a bit about the storytelling element? Storytelling's about capturing, and, and in a grant application, you'd think, oh, we've got to do it really quite pompous. You don't tell a story like in a novel, but you still have to tell a story and all the parts of the story like chapters, have to blend together. For example, you have various attachments, you have a budget, you might have a project plan, and the answers that you're creating, or in other parts of the world, it's often called the narrative. We don't use that word particularly, but the yep, narrative- yeah, I have now tuned into our call to see what we're talking about, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's the keep going, sorry. Narrative, to use the word in the Northern Hemisphere, is has got to include all the bits and they all need to match. For example, if you don't have your budget early enough, you don't really know the detail in it. So then if you were talking about risk, the risk will be also related to how we need our payments made, which affects the budget. And there'll be a reason the payments have to come in at certain times, the milestone payments, and that could relate to a whole heap of things. So all the story has to evolve and explain. And the priorities I mentioned from government, they have to be brought in as making sure you're explaining how you're going to meet those outcomes and provide those benefits and give back. So you'd have some stats in there and you don't just dump in the stats, you make it more interesting. You might create a case study to explain how you've done something in the past. There's lots of ways to make the information a lot more interesting and it does tell a story and even i do the headings so that when i'm writing long pieces sometimes they can be five thousand characters for an answer 
and I'll make my headings actually tell a story in themselves. Very short story, but that then means when the reader's reading the heading and they're scanning through the page, yeah. they can scan for 20 seconds and they've already got your story. Yeah. And it creates benefits. You talk about the need and what's happened, lots of disadvantage or whatever, and then you're, you're maybe a heading about the impact you make how great you are at we've got a great team and expertise and then it's really telling a story from the headings and you can do that even in flyers and whatever you're doing make your headings sing make them mm. tell a story that's really great like that's really great it's again it's the same as if an advertising or, or any sort of proposal that you have to write for the skimmers and i learned this i was shocked back when newspapers were a thing I was shocked to find out that the people that wrote the articles were not the ones that wrote the headlines for the articles no. shown the paper. They had a dedicated staff member that did the headlines because people scan headlines and based off of a headline alone, they decide to read a story or not. And so a better headline can double or even 10x the readership of an article just because that it gets that message across. And so you're like, tell the story through your headings. I think that's fantastic because that's what's really going to draw them in, right? They're going to scan it. How many pro they're not reading every proposal right every application they're scanning them all looking for uh, key pieces and oh well, am i like, wrong probably someone normally does an eligibility check so there's a bit of a process so they'll do that and make sure it's eligible then if it is mm -hmm. someone actually will read it mm -hmm. so yes they do here and when word, you know, we're every single about, word not every single word though maybe right, so it depends right. how wordy you are there's usually limits and that's why you've got to keep things succinct. And that's why I always like to start each section mm -hmm. should have in the first two sentences, the main crux of what you want to say, and then right. you'll have some detail under it. So there's actually a little bit of a scheme of how you do your answers as well. So if you start to waffle and carry on about, we've been doing this and we're really needed and all this sort of fluffy stuff, you're not really giving them what they want. So there's a real art to creating good responses. I, I really like that. Now, a couple other questions. I know somebody else brought this up. What about, does this accepting, when it comes to government, I want to ask two things. One is government versus non-government grants. But before that, part of why I'm leaning to that is I know some people there are concerned about getting government grants because they feel like it will put them more on the radar of the government when it comes to everything from taxation to violence. obviously people want to be on the up and up anyhow but there i know there's some people that they're nervous about that that part of, of applying to grants can you speak to that a little bit sure my approach would be you can't have it both ways you got to decide you can't have your foot in both camps you either you've either got something to hide and you don't want the government to know so if that's the case stay out of anything yeah. Yeah, and you can't yeah, expect yeah. to get grant money yeah. or maybe you're processes and finances aren't great. So again, I'd say you're probably not going to get it anyway, because they'll work that out. It's not, I don't ever look at it as they're trying to get in and wheedle in and find something to maybe take you to court over. Right, I don't right. think there's that cross checking. When you do your acquittals, you've got to make sure you're doing them correctly. But for the actual application process, I've never heard an assessor say, we, because out of privacy, they wouldn't be allowed to. We contacted a completely different department to check that maybe mm. one fact. Obviously, when they're giving out millions of dollars, yeah, they right, have to right. do they have to do credit checks. They have to send it to another department sometimes to do that bigger. It goes through usually in our system somewhere completely different. Mm. And I've rung those people to talk to them and say, 
I just want to know exactly what detail you want. So I've talked to some of those staff in other departments and usually they come from massive banking corporations and mm. then they've moved to government to help to use their knowledge to right. make sure that government invests its money in the right businesses. And that's right. what it's all about. It's right. not about you. Like I take it the other way. I take it it's the government's responsibility to actually make sure they're not going to get scammed or investing in someone who's going to go down the tube six months later. Right. Right. I take it the other way. Uh, it's We're applying for it. It's their money. We don't have the control. They have right. the control and you've got to accept it. But if you're a conspiracy theorist, just don't apply. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think there's two two sides to that. I agree exactly what you're saying. If you're applying, so I, I the, my first experience with grants ever was a friend <clears throat> who shall forever remain nameless, but she had tried to launch a yoga studio, which had failed. And then I was talking to her, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm writing a grant. I was like, oh, that's great. What's the grant for? Oh, I want to get this grant so I can set up an entrepreneurship center to teach entrepreneurs how to be successful in business. And I was just like, wait a minute. You failed in business, so you're applying for public funds to set up a facility. I was just, I just was like, oh, keep me posted on how it goes. I didn't want to say anything, but in my head, I walked away. I was like, I don't know if she really thought, thought that through, which speaks to like what you're saying. Like, obviously, if the government's going to give, it's like anybody. If you're going to have someone fix your car, come to your house, you know, something, you want to vet them. You don't want just random strangers. Nobody wants to be ripped off. So I don't necessarily think that's a conspiracy theory. I do think there is valid reason in the sense of, uh, history is full of governments who have gone rogue, so to speak. It's just that you can't deny it. And they say absolute power corrupts absolutely. But I get we I fully agree with everything that you're saying. Now, can you speak to government versus non-government? Because not all grants are government, right? Is there a big difference between them in the process? Is it basically, obviously, if I had a million dollars I was going to give to someone, I'd probably want a lot of that stuff, The like you said, the control, the knowledge of that stuff, depending on what the grant is for. But what's your answer to that? Yeah, so apart from government grants, um, there's philanthropic ones, so trusts and things that are set up. And for example, we have trusts that are set up. Usually they're individuals or families who have been very successful and in their will, they've put aside money for a trust to set up to put money in perpetuity, basically. And so there's those ones. And then there's often some that are done the same, but the families are very much still alive or the people are still alive. So you can have those sorts of trusts. Then you've got your corporates. We have mining companies, we have gas companies, electricity, bridges, roads, all those sorts of companies are private or semi-government in a way. So they can put out money. We have Qantas who puts out grants every year for projects and we have our phone companies that do it. We have our post office, Australia Post, that puts out grants. Our supermarkets, Coles, puts out the Coles Nurture Fund. So they're corporates, so they put out money and they all have their values that you have a look at on their website and that's what I like to tell my mm -hmm. clients to align to. They'll often have case studies or stories of people they've given to the grants before so they're always good to look at to see what sorts of organizations and people they're giving the money to mm -hmm. now most of the corporates tend to be for nonprofits to apply for but mm -hmm. there are some like our coles nurture fund where the money goes to businesses mm -hmm. that's the whole idea of it's to build the food industry so mm -hmm. you've got a bit of a range but most of the trusts and philanthropic ones obviously the money's going to nonprofits, and that can be mm -hmm. anything from arts, environment, helping disadvantaged youth, homeless, older people, all sorts of things. 
So they are very different as in the types of questions. Usually though, they still want to give money to someone who's going to treat it well, look after it and do a good job. Mm, yeah, 100%. Yeah, nobody, what does it say? A fool and their money are soon parted. So I think that there's some truth to that. Now, this might feed into what you were saying before about being proactive versus reactive. You talk, you talk about alignment with goals. In your experience, is it better for a business to try to pivot to align with a grant and the goals or for a business to maintain its own, fo I mean, this is just your opinion, your business to maintain its own focus and goals and instead try to find grants that align with them, if that makes sense. Yes, and it will depend on the business. Like someone like me, I just do what I want to do. I don't try and change what I'm doing because there could be, not normally, because there's a grant out there. For example, with mine, I have my company set up and I've got myself as 50% and my two sons have 25% shares each. Now, if I wanted to apply for a female founders grant, you actually have to have more than 50% share of the company. Would I bother changing my company structure so I have more than 50% and buy a couple of shares each of my sons? I'd really have to think of that. Yeah. Really if there's a million dollars on the line, you're like, I can take Maybe. a percent from each of them. You're right. But yeah. So when you set up your business or entity, whatever you're doing, you've got to decide, are you going to go down the grant space and think quite carefully about how you're going to set things up so that, you know, you're setting it up to get the most benefit. Would I change my alignment? Possibly. For example, if I saw an opportunity out there and it was something a little different to what I normally do and I thought I could do a great job at it, it was interesting to me because I've got to love what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. So I would have to tick all those boxes first. I might totally change, possibly, not just grant teaching grant writing and doing the odd one-on-one -on -one for people, but maybe pivoting to something else in helping people with business, just generally right. those entrepreneurs you were talking about. If I right. thought I, I've got a lot to teach them because I've been doing this for 15 years yep. nearly in yep. my own business, maybe I would shift if I thought I had a great chance and then got that grant. Yeah. But usually with grants, you've got to put uh, money in yourself as well. You don't just give, give in the whole lot. So of course, you've got to think how much money have I got to invest in this, these opportunities? And if it's grand opportunities and you're going to go down the rabbit hole of something a bit different, you are getting off your strategic plan. You could end up in problems. I'm glad you mentioned that. There's all the strategic planning. So I like to tell people to have a grant wish list. And when they're doing their, whether it's a little one pager or on the back of a napkin on the cafe when you're having your favorite coffee, have a list of what you think you would like grants for and don't get too carried away with chasing the shiny yeah. object. Again, yeah, I love that. I think that's great. People yeah. do it too much and then it wastes a lot of time and it's not a good alignment. You're never going to get it because you've got to prove that you had this set in place. And if you can't prove that, you are just chasing after the latest thing. A hundred percent. And that probably in itself that makes you less likely to get it. I think, I don't, I don't think I have anything that really equates to a lot of government. Maybe, I don't know, government experience, but I imagine that if you come to them with a 10 year vision, that is a strength in terms of if you, what you're doing aligns with what they're trying to get in their initiatives versus shiny object syndrome. I do that, That's but I'm right. going to do this. Yeah. yeah and if you're, you might have a strategic plan and you tend to look at it at least each year, and then you might look at, say, do a bit of a SWOT or strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And you might look at it and think, okay, 
there's going to be a lot of opportunity, say after COVID, right? There's lots of opportunity in this space, mm -hmm. or there's lots of businesses now that are the grant space, I believe, is going to get bigger and bigger, especially mm. here in Australia. So there's probably opportunity for me to maybe work with organisations and do things more in bulk, like mm. I've done recently with one of the departments. So you've got to look at the opportunities and think, how can I take advantage of this in the parameters in which I like to work? Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe a good so way. You're allowed to tweak your strategic plan. Right. And so this is still a factor, like maybe the grant is indicating a change in the marketplace. And so this might benefit. So we, I think I might have told you this before, right? 2020, I hired a, about 10, 12 people, put them on teams, about seven teams, helped me go through all the academic literature to figure out what moves the needle for small and medium-sized businesses. And so we came up with these critical eight success factors, self, self-efficacy, market intelligence, strategic planning, marketing strategy, sales strategy and skills, money management, business operations, and business intelligence. And a really important factor in money management is obviously like low capital investment, leanness, debt-free, but also high R&D spending and spending on having high quality products and services. And that has to tie in with the market intelligence. So it sounds like what you're saying is, yeah, you don't want to pivot everything to try and go for that because if you miss, where does that leave you? Whereas if you are on a path and where that grant is might be something you would spend money R&D-wise to develop. And if there's alignment, and like you said, I think it's better to play long-term games with long-term people instead of, so if we can have a long-term vision, it, it all just sounds like it works better, even just in your odds of getting approved for the grant. It sounds, would you? Yeah, and look, you've got to look at that network I was talking about. So if you're meeting with people and just chatting generally, you know, each person's asking what the other one's doing, you're going to, have, they know what you're doing. And so then when it's time to answer the question and say, is this community, is this driven by whoever or your industry, they can then write a letter that says Indigo Gold or the Grant Road Academy, whatever, has been and Prue has been working on this and going down this path mm. and setting this up. And so it gives strength to your story and mm. you're able to back up when you're writing answers for grants. I like to have a quote from someone that I would take out of their support letter and use it as part of my answer to basically back up everything I'm saying. I could say how wonderful I am, but if you've got someone else saying the Great Run Academy has been on this path and growing and it seemed wonderful to see it flourish and looked after by Prue in charge, they're saying in their words exactly what you wanted them to say, what right. you want your story to say, but they're saying it and signing off on a letter. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. where it all just starts to come together. And there's that storytelling again. Everything yeah. makes sense. And the reader's looking at it and thinking, ah, oh, this all makes sense. Right. Because it all fits in the great jigsaw. Yeah. Yeah. That, this reminds me actually of, I think probably one of my, I did, I'm from Canada. I did snow shoveling. That's not really a business. I had a paper at that. But one of my first business experience, I actually backed away from because it was all coming together too. So this is, and you'll understand why in a second. I'd been, I moved out on my own when I was 17 and I still did like work while I was in finishing high school. I took a year off, did a government program, got to travel Canada for nine months, volunteering like thousands of hours. But when I went to this town, Penticton, I was working, one of my jobs I had was at a hosteling international, like a youth hostel. And I was really into sustainable development and that. And I was, I did a bunch of market research on where would be a great place for a new one. This town of Soyuz right on the U.S. border. And I have been networking. And, and in fact, even before I went out there, my, my beginning of how I got into online marketing, I had no experience. I was going to hitchhike to the other side of Canada, put myself on a bus. I want to have a job when I, before I got there. So I scraped, I went on the Chamber of Commerce website 
and I scraped all the business's email address and I had a three email campaign with like cover letter, resume, why me with a PowerPoint presentation, like final notice, like I'm hitting the road, Jack. Well, I had interviews lined up for when I got out there. And so some people were aware of my story and I lived there for four years. And so when I finally was working, I wanted to put together this plan. I was like, I'm a, I'm a start like a, a self-sufficient building. This zero, zero emissions research Institute used to be an initiative by United Nations. I follow stuff. I wanted to start a hostel, a youth hostel that used a lot of these systems. And how this all ties in is I actually got a letter from the economic development officer of a Soyuz who endorsed my business plan because he had heard and seen, and he was on my spam list before I went out there. This is, I'm 40 now. I was like 17, 18 at the time. This is like early days of the internet. So I had, anyway, but he had seen my story, knew my vision, that letter. And I had an investor that put up, I think it was 50 grand. And then the bank approved my loan. And then I just pooped my pants because I realized <laughs> I'm 19 years old. I haven't had a girlfriend for longer than a year. I bought this car against the recommendation of a mechanic friend and regretted it after. And I'm like, I'm about to marry this loan for $300,000. And if I fail, I'm going to spend the rest of my life paying that back because it wasn't a grant. It was a bank loan. But like you're saying, I knew someone, they were aware of my story. I'd met them at different events and they, there was a story that developed with that. Anyways, that's just, when you're talking about that, I have memory lane type thing. Now, <laughs> can you maybe recap? Because you've already given, again, people may want to listen to this a couple of times already because there's just been a lot of great nuggets. But if someone's starting out and maybe struggling with approaching the grant writing process, can you summarize your recommendations for them? Sure. I would have a, at least a one-page strategic plan, right? They're easy to find on the internet. Just Google it, do a plan, do a SWOT, whatever, quickly do it. You can do that in two hours. And then do a bit of research. Look for what grants are out there or you might see some and you mightn't be ready for them yet but that's fine you're gathering information and understanding what's required look at all the information they're asking for are they providing templates that you can use and start filling out ahead of time because often they only open all in australia they can open for sometimes just three weeks so you don't have a lot of time so you could find some great templates to use save you a lot of money and paying for things especially when you're starting off, and then you can start to get those filled out. And if you need help in a certain area, businesses and government or philanthropic groups, they understand you're not going to be great at everything. So then you look at your gaps and think, okay, what do I need to plug a hole with? So it could be a friend who's great at risk management, or it could be a friend who's great at project management or a finance person. And then you get them to help you make what you've got as good as you can and have a go and you can't be disappointed if you miss out first time. It's right. like anything in business. You don't just give up straight away. Oh, this right. is terrible. So I guess it's perseverance, the network, understanding what you're going to need to put in. Don't worry too much. I get when people come into my free Facebook group, I ask them three questions. What are three things you want to learn about grants? And a lot of them will say something like understanding the tiny things to make it successful. And that's not it. It's not tiny things. It's everything that just reads well. It doesn't have to be a work of art. Someone's not going to get a grant and get great marks because right. they're usually marked in a way right. just because it's the best thing and will win a Pulitzer Prize. They're going to get it because they've ticked the boxes, mm -hmm. not because it's written beautifully. So people seem to think there's some sort of magic source and there really isn't. It's about understanding what's needed, doing a good job, telling the story, showing value to the owner of the money 
and answering, even answering all the questions, you'd be surprised. Someone might be saying we need, I don't know, 300 words and they'll write two sentences and they think that's enough. You haven't told your story. Like People probably then get too blasé about, oh, this is enough. I'll just answer a couple of sentences, write a couple of sentences. You've got to put a bit of effort in. And obviously the more money it's for, the more effort. You, right. you don't get given money for nothing. You know? Oh, that's so great. Can we say that again? You don't get given money for nothing. That's right. I love that. And today's day and age, how that is like a revolutionary thought. I just, there's such a, yeah. So even the grant business is not money for nothing. I love that. I love that. This is good that we mentioned that just as a caveat. We should have said that at the beginning. You're here for a free lunch. Beware, right? That's there's, right. Yeah. Yeah, this, there should be merit behind it. So then what are, I mean, we maybe already took this off, but what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see clients making? Uh, really, poor, really poor budgets is a big one. And all, I talk to a lot of granters. I ring them up. I talk to them all the time. I'm letting them know that I really don't write grants too much anymore. I help people by teaching. So I'm usually, and I interview people like you're interviewing me. And I have that all the time in my, my community. So I'm talking to people, understanding what they need. And I'll always say, if I could pass on some tips, if they're not coming live into my sessions, what would they be? And they will always mention the budget. The budget's either too skimpy, it doesn't make sense. Say there was a figure for, I don't know, $9,800 for travel. And that's all it says. There's no notes right. at the bottom, right? So right. then you think, okay, is that one person flying business class? Is it 15 people flying economy or is it going by train or car and hiring? Because we have very large areas to drive here, so it can take a lot of time. Does that include accommodation? Does that include meals? If there's no detail, the reader's going to think they just plucked that out of the sky. Mm -hmm. So probably just on that alone, I would not give that person grant money because right. they haven't explained their story. And if they haven't explained it in the answers, like I said, you've got to explain what's in your budget, then nothing makes sense. You wouldn't know how much that's padded. There's a whole heap of things behind just one line item in a there budget. There needs to be transparency. Sounds that's like. right. And that's where government, that's the other side of government is they need to understand that you are telling them the whole story, not trying to hide stuff. So the budget's one thing, not even answering all the questions, not reading the guidelines. So I've had clients come in to pay me for one-on-one -on -one mentoring sessions for an hour. The first thing I say, okay, let's go through the eligibility. And then we'll run through it and I'll say, you're not eligible. And so we stop the conversation. They just pay me very small. I give them money back if they've paid the whole amount just to make sure that's the first thing. Not wasting your time. Yeah. yeah. Begin with the end in mind. Yeah. It's, are you even a candidate? Yeah. And even some of the project items then, there's usually in the guidelines, it explains what you can and can't have as your eligible project items. So if they're not eligible, you've either got to pay for them yourself <clears throat> or find someone to give them in kind or whatever. So they don't read those very clearly. And they seem to be very reluctant to ask the funder questions. And there's no reason you can't. So you just either ring them up or write an email and say, in your guidelines, it's not clear if a particular thing is eligible or not, because you let me know if we can claim this. And so if you need, if you ask questions, you do them really early so that you've got plenty of time to get the response back and then create your application with the right information in it. So they're the main ones, the budget, 
not being eligible to start with, not covering everything properly, not answering the questions, another one. A question might have three parts to it in the sentence. It might say, explain your scope, the outcomes and benefits. And people think they're the same thing and they're not, they're very different. So you need to read the question and then break your answer up. If it's 200 words, you'd break it up roughly 65 words for each little piece. That's the way I do it. And can you speak, is the only benefit from a grant monetary or are there non-monetary benefits to grant, whether it's with the grant itself or association with the funder? Almost like a lot of people when they get venture capital, so to speak, sometimes the venture capitalist has some sort of management team or resources that become available. Is there anything to that regard that, that come with grants as well? You that... mean in kind that you're giving, the company organization's giving as well as the grant, or do you mean the flow and effects from, say, I got a grant, the flow and effects for me and my community? Oh, exactly? that's a great, that's a great, that's a great qualifier of my question. I guess I would say both, like in the sense of getting the grant from the government, does that in some way open doors for some people to, I don't know, to be a sponsor at events or things or... Or like you said, is there flow from that, from having got the grant? I'm just trying to say, is there non-monetary, what are some of the non-monetary benefits to having a grant other than just getting the money? Like Jude, sure. Jude has got the money, but it wasn't really, you know, the money on its own was a false price, so to speak. So are there other things people should look for, you know what I mean, when they're applying for grants? Sure. Once you've got one grant or whatever it might be in business, some sort of benefit, you can always use that then to leverage in a way. It's a leverage thing. So once, if you're going to get into grants, I wouldn't just suddenly start with a large one. I'd probably try and get a very small one. And then when you're putting your application in for the next one, you can say how you did a great job with the first one and what were the outcomes. So you can use it as leverage. Then you can use it as a marketing piece. So I'm doing some work with the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority and the federal government at the moment, helping councils with some applications for reef grants. And so once, because we've been very busy with it, once that's over, I will also use that to market about how I did that work, whether it's grant money or that was a contract, it's the same principle. You use it to, again, let your network know, give tips about what you learned from that experience to others and you're giving back again first and then they're finding out how helpful you were. So you can use it as a marketing piece you're using it to scale, obviously, as well, maybe. So you put in for your grant, you do that piece. Like some of my clients work for and do work that involves the defence industry in Australia. So if they're doing that first piece of work, and they might be manufacturing cases for, say, the night vision goggles. Now, they could be sent all around the world, not just in Australia, therefore armies all around the world. So that's so that when the night vision goggles break or have some issue, they are transported safely because they're worth hundreds, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars. So they do the first job and they work with a company who's got a bigger contract and they're getting the grants that they've got the machinery and the equipment to do that. Then the next time they can show they've done that and say, now we want to make more things mm. for the defence industry and they'll put in for bigger contracts. So the grants can help them also get contracts because the grant money helps them get the machinery. And the machinery means that then they can start producing more or better or finer detail or whatever it might be. So hmm. whole heap of things, like it's just a starting point. Yeah, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. 
Now, you said I mentioned something about the future of the industry. You think there's going to be a lot more grants. Can you speak to that a little bit? Why? Is there any categories that you think people should pay attention to? Or like, where is this, Nate? Where do you think the status, because now AI is playing into this as well. So if you had to fast forward five, 10 years, what are your, do you have any predictions? I actually did last month for my members, but because it's such an important topic, I opened it up to the public and I did an AI and grants webinar and I had a lawyer come in as my guest speaker because I saw a lot of AI and content being talked about, use AI for this, use AI for that. I've been playing around with it, using it a lot. And nobody was talking about the legal aspects, who owns the material you're putting into whatever tool you're using, app. And I'll just say ChatGPT, for example, I don't use that one because so many are using it, I decided to use something completely different because I don't like to do what everyone else is doing. So who owns the material that's going in there? And how do you know that the material that's giving back to you hasn't actually been copied from somebody else's information and there's something that may be copyright? So you've got to be very careful. So I believe for AI and grants that businesses will start to use AI to help them do a first pass at grant applications to see if AI has been used because there's going to be set phrases you're going to see all the time. I'm seeing it when I ask for information. I ask for it to maybe sometimes redo my Facebook post because I don't make them conversational enough. And you see the same terms coming up all the time. And so everyone's going to get sick of seeing the same phrases. So the tools for grant writing are going to pick all those phrases up. So I would just warn people to use it to get ideas, use it to maybe make things smaller and then change them to suit so it's still your own work. A bit like you used to, you can't plagiarize work and when you're doing university, the same sort of thing will work with grants. So they'll have tools that help them do that and then they'll be able to pick out those higher quality ones. The quality is still going to shine. So for grants in the grant industry, we've got still lots of flow and effects of COVID. It's changed the way people do work. So for industries that used to work and be in cities and in the metro area, obviously people have changed. So there's just going to be a lot of change. Loneliness, I think, will become bigger. So I think there's, if you're in that space, you could look at, you know, what's going to flow through from COVID. And if you were a nonprofit working in different spaces, you might need to think about changing what you're doing. I know housing is getting harder and harder here. There's lots of overcrowding, that's lots more domestic violence. There's a whole heap of things changing. People aren't spending as much, so that's going to have an impact on our economy in a way. I think that will all pan out. We've had high interest rates for a while here, higher, they've been going up. Everything changes what you do. So that's why you've also got a network to understand mm. what people are saying. People you admire might be saying, you know, what they're doing. And mm. then you've got to think, is that pertinent to me? So it's constantly changing. You've just got to be ready with your strategic plan of what you'd like to apply for. And you ha you could have way more than you think you could ever apply for, but you don't actually have to apply for it. You have a right. choice of saying, no, I'm not going to apply for that. You don't right. have to do everything. And some people think you do. Every opportunity that comes up, it's a yes. And they're, they're the crazy people because they're all over the place. Hey, so you, do you less better and to completion. Yeah. That's right. It's about quality. It's about doing a good job mm. and following something through to it's finished. So yeah, things will change a lot. And also here in Australia, we've had a lot of what's called, I don't know if you use the term pork barreling, 
where particular politicians would give more money or the government would give money to where the politician has the seat, whereas somewhere else the opposition might be in. So historically, and it's happened no matter what government, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not particularly a political person. Okay. So I've seen this over time. Grant, grant money come out, millions and millions of dollars, and you would see that most of the money went to where the in-party at the time, politicians were located. Right, right. People and doing business with their friends. That's transparency crazy. thing or the Minister for Sport was making sure that their constituency was getting more sporting things. This is the sort of thing that's happened over time, no matter what government. There's mm -hmm. been a lot more transparency come out. They've got a lot tighter with checking on things and having other people being involved and maybe the minister's only signing off on the last pass. So that's going to change the way things are done here. I'm mm. not sure exactly what happens in your part of the world. Yeah, no, I think it's, a, it's very poignant. I think we are, we're constantly trying to improve things and make them better. So I agree with everything that you said. All things considered equal, people want to do business with their friends. All things not so equal, people still prefer to do business with their friends. And it's part of it is the devil versus the devil you don't know. It's not even that there's malicious intent or people no. can consider themselves corrupt. They may not even consider it that way. It's more just, I know these people, I know their strengths and weaknesses versus the devils that I don't know, so to speak. Like there, there's pros and cons, of it, but it's a real, it's just a real part of the world. So I definitely agree with what you're saying. And I think that kind of thing happens all over more than people, more than people realize and accept. And it's just good to be aware of it, I guess, you know, that as you're applying for grants and you mentioned a lot like networking to know who's out there and to align with people. And I think it's just good on all levels because of right now what's gone on in the world. I've got a couple of friends. They just try to avoid everything. Like you, I know you said you're not trying to get into politics. I think we need to have more political discussions. And I know that they say, what is it? Religion and politics. You never discussed at the dinner table or something like that. Money, money, religion, and politics. But I think that it's important because they're the whole, everybody in the whole world had their life affected by political decisions that people have made the last few years. And some of these, like you said, there's going to be aftermath. Some people think it's just the beginning of a series of decisions following certain agendas. And so I think it's an important thing that you go out and network with these people for that instance as well, whether just to know where you stand, right? Because what are eight factors, there was a ninth factor. And I didn't talk about this before, but the ninth factor was government and economy. That these were things that definitely influenced the likelihood of success for outcomes of businesses. But as an individual, it's, it's really hard for you to have an impact on the economy or the government. So we talk about the critical eight because for a big part piece, that's all you can really focus on as a business owner, or even as an association of business owners. But it doesn't mean you need to be ignorant of what's happening with the economy and the government. You can innovate and with market intelligence, pivot with your R&D spending, you can navigate with better marketing messaging and a better strategy and optimize sales skills. You can grow even in a bad economy. But like you said, alignment is really important and it's easier to swim with the river than against it. And so just part of this networking that you mentioned of is there is a trickle-down effect in terms of news and knowledge, and it's just better to hear things from the horse's mouth, so to speak, versus news stories and social media. That's right. And with that alignment, the other thing I probably recommend is the sustainable development goals, the 17 of those. It's probably good to, even if small business, like even me, I'm just small, I've got few contractors I use and it's very small really but just understanding where you fit with those or for your organization if it's a non-for-profit having a look at those sustainable development goals and aligning with some of them 
so that you can talk about the new application because if there was two applications that are pretty well much the same, so you're both organisations putting in for, I don't know, a $200,000 shed for your community, and then one's mentioning the sustainable development goals where they're putting talking about environment or inclusion, access, equality, and the other one's not, then this one will have to get the higher one, I'm putting my hands up here, the higher mm. one that mentions sustainable development goals and show how they align with the priorities of the funder is going to win or get funded because they've done that little bit extra to right. show how they're making a difference. And they're because, aligned. Yeah. yeah, each of those organisations is contributing to the government's sustainable development goals and the UN reporting back to the UN on this. So it is all important. And you've got to realise that even though you are just a small business, as you said, you do have a flow on effect. So right. every person you employ helps yeah. the government tick one more box off with employment or yeah. anything you do that exports means that you're providing export dollars. So you can make a difference. So yeah. I would, it's not like I'm disagreeing with you. It's just don't think that you don't make a difference. No, I agree. And part of why we have this mission is because we got to bring back the middle class. You know, we are the middle class. I consider even if you have an eight figure business, if you're doing under a hundred million, you're still like you're upper tier middle class. And right now the middle class has just been decimated because of COVID and all that. And the small, medium sized businesses, we are the middle class. We pay the middle class their salaries. And right now, if you just politics aside, if you just objectively look at what's happened in the world, it's just been like a, a just the middle class has just been bludgeoned and there's just a massive hole where all these other business, small business, small, medium sized businesses were. The world's becoming a world of super rich and not. And so this is where we really, as businesses, we have to focus on what problems we solve, which, which again, fits into what are the problems that we're connected to, right? If you're feeding people, but you're doing it and you're dumping a bunch of toxic waste in your backyard, you're creating problems while you solve others. So one of the things our research actually showed was corporate social responsibility actually is tied to enhance profitability as part of your marketing strategy and just your strategic plan, helping community development, ethical values, conformity to legal processes. These are things that actually improve successful outcomes for businesses. Just thinking holistically as part of a system and not just like immediate, I think is part of it. So I, I definitely believe that we need to be stewards of the planet. Personally, I don't know if it's the emergency is so great that we have to worry about maybe lockdowns or climate lockdowns and restrictions in certain respects that some people are talking about but i we do need to take care of this planet and our communities for the future generations we're here we're living for ourselves but we also need to live for live for today but still plan for tomorrow that's right yeah 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 this has been such a great call prue you've given such great insights and knowledge i've got pages and notes i think people may want to go back and listen to it again is there anything i haven't asked you that i should have asked you Oh, I suppose there'd be hundreds of things, but we've only got so much time. Right. So no, it's fine. I'm just happy to help people, give them some tips. As I said, the grant industry, the nuances are different, but generally the information and what you've got to provide as in quality and being organized is all the same. I actually on a couple of Facebook groups to, to organizations in Canada and the US. And sometimes I pop, pop in a little comment. I was popping in a comment this morning. Someone was asking, do you, if you're doing the same grant for different organizations, is that a conflict or is it the wrong thing mm -hmm. to do? So I was just answering my opinion on that. And what's um, your opinion on that? I said that it would depend on how competitive that grant program is. For example, we have one here, it's a gambling community benefit fund. And every time it runs as 1500 applications. So if I was doing even four on the scheme of things, 
is fine because right. it's in the, there's going to be thousand of those 1500 are going to miss out on funding they usually only fund three 500 so the size is so big that it's okay on one thing then also i said it would also depend if they're all in the same area so this is a queensland wide fund so if i had one client in one part of queensland and then two others somewhere else to me that's really ticking those boxes and then I did also say if it was for a much, much bigger fund, I would then ask my first client, did they mind if I took another one? To me, that's transparency. Mm, and then if they were mm. in different industries, it'd probably be okay because the funders probably want to go to spread the money through different industries or different parts of the region. So there's a whole lot of factors that are involved. Mm. It's not just a, is this ethical or not question. Right, right. There's always more to a question and people often are making decisions based on just a quick, not thinking about it enough process, yeah, I yeah, find. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Now, if people want to find out and learn more and check you out, should they go to indigogold.com.au? Is that the best place for them to go? That's the best place. It has a lot of my freebies I have about grants and grant writing. It has a link so that you can join up to my free things, get into my community. So that's really the best place. And then from there, they can access, uh, I have a free Grant Writing Academy Facebook group and I have some people from Canada and there's some from the US there and other, I think UK, there's quite a few different places. Obviously, I can't give too much advice about detail, right. but I'm always answering questions. That's what it's there for, to, for a free place. People can ask a quick grant question. So mm -hmm. I check in there every couple, every twice a day. Sometimes there's no questions. It just astounds me. So if people want to learn more, go check out indigogold.com.au that is i-n-d-i-g-o-l-d.com.au for australia you can also look her up on linkedin through saxby p-r-u-e-s-a-x-b-y and you said you're on facebook so i imagine it's the same is it under your name on facebook as well if they they can actually go into indigo gold and look for that ah, and, and then there's a Facebook page and then there's Facebook community or a group which right. is under Grant Writing Academy. Got it. Got it. Rue, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an honor and a pleasure. You've given some very valuable info. I know it's going to help some people and I just I know you have your own community, your own following, your own people that you help. So thank you for taking some time out of your day to come and help me and mine. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's nice to get to know you a little bit and hopefully your people who listen to you have got something out of it. It's always a pleasure to help from down under. <laughs>